Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo. And the one and only Andy McLean. Yo. <laughs> you did it perfect. That was great. Well done. I love it. I've been practicing. John, I've been John listening Paul's. to John Paul's yo for quite some time now. John Paul is going to charge you uh, the royalty rate for using that yo in that moment. Hey, as we get into the today's podcast, here is your quick reminder to head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We would love to hear how we can get better uh, to serve you through the podcast, uh, as well as uh, leave the stars. So stars and words help other people find the podcast when they search for student ministry content. Uh, We're also on Spotify if you choose to listen to uh, your podcast there. And while you're, uh, if you go over to iTunes and leave the rating and review, you can hit subscribe. Hit it. And you will be notified every time we release a new episode. Okay. With that, today's topic is how you can help parents in your church engage uh, spiritually with their kids. Now, I know this is a challenge for every student pastor everywhere, is finding ways to help your parents engage in the discipleship process with their students. For some, you've been doing this, and you've built a foundation of this, and it's getting better. This takes time and investment for it to continue to improve. For the others of you, you're at the beginning of this process, or you've been trying it for a long time, and it feels like you're still at the beginning because you would say, man, parents in my church just aren't discipling their kids. We've said over and over, parents are the primary disciplers of their children, and we're trying to reinforce that, and we're trying to to let them know that that is something that they need to be doing, that church isn't just a place to drop the kids off and outsource the spiritual development, so to speak, but that it's something that is to partner with parents. So you've been doing all of this, but it still kind of feels like you're stuck. Well, hopefully today's episode will give you some very practical ideas, uh, some things that you can do to serve your parents, to partner with your parents, to help them get spiritually engaged. So the first thing that I would throw out to you uh, in that process is um, that if, if we're just saying Parents, you need to be spiritually investing. Parents, you're the primary discipler, but we're not following that up with training. We're not following that up with things that they can do. We're not showing them how to do that. And I would take that a step even further and say, if we're just saying that but not engaging in discipleship with and for them— then we're just kind of lumping burden on their shoulders without giving them a way to live that out, without giving them a way to say, oh, like you've told me this and you've given me the tools to actually execute it. So uh, that would be the first thing that I would say in in this conversation is if we're going to be willing as church people to say, parent, you're the primary discipler, then we have to also be willing to do the work to get in the trenches, so to speak, with them and show them how to do it. Because most most parents at that moment of, hey, you're supposed to disciple your kids, have no idea what that phrase means. They don't, they don't know how to disciple someone. So it can be very daunting. I totally agree. And I think that's something that is worth keeping at the front of your mind when you're thinking about parent, parent ministry and discipleship of teenagers is that it's very real that there's often just a knowledge gap. And a knowledge gap, any kind of knowledge gap, has potential to create fear. 
and hesitancy to move into that place that you don't really know what to do in. And when there's so much busyness in life in general, it can be easy to say, because I'm not confident and because I you know, maybe don't want to look uh, like I, I don't have my stuff together when I'm talking about spiritual things, I'm just yeah. going to put this off. And you put something off enough days and you turn around and all of a sudden you've got teenagers that you haven't ever really engaged strategically with in in the Bible and what faith should look like and what faith means to your family as, you know, like for my family, we are the Bashams and we believe this and these things are important to us. Yeah. So it's, it's really easy to turn around and all of a sudden like my kids are grown and now you feel behind the eight ball. And then, man, it, it just kind of compounds, I feel like. You know, the further along you get, the harder it can be to step into that. Yeah. Yeah, you got to start early, right? What also compounds the issue, at least I think, that sometimes it, people may find it uh, a little bit more challenging to think about discipling their own kids than discipling someone else's kids. So, I mean, it, it can kind of, there's a little bit of less pressure in mind Right. When you um, I mean, it's still a big deal. It's still a big responsibility. But when you're thinking about discipling, say you're a student pastor, or maybe you're just kind of volunteering in the student ministry or in the college ministry and you're sort of uh, formally or informally discipling, you know, some students, um, there's just a little bit less, I guess, weight, a pressure, because yeah. when you think about discipling your own kids, right? Uh, and and sort of all the things that's that's going to encompass and entail. I don't know. There's just like there's a little bit more pressure. I I, I could just think that there's always going to be those kids, or at least I was this kid. You know, like my when my dad coached, or or you know my brother sort of leaned in and coached me in ball or something like that. I I, I kind of didn't want that instruction, right? You know, you know you know those types of kids. Yeah, somebody else to... comes in and you're like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. 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 Man, I agree with you. And I think part of that is because our own kids see us at our worst. And then to turn around and say, hey, let's talk about spiritual things. Like <laughs> after we've lost our temper, like those. Yeah. Those things, and so, I, like, I totally agree with you when you say to disciple someone else's kids is almost easier and less pressure than to disciple your own. And I think that goes back to John Paul, what you were saying, and there's an inadequacy, uh, I think, that exists for parents. Uh, parents don't engage, not because they don't care or they don't want to. I think it's centered around this idea of. Man, I don't have my stuff together is the way that you phrased it. There's an inadequacy that I think, and I'll speak as a parent in this moment rather than a youth pastor. There's an inadequacy I think that we feel around these things because our kids see us in every feeling. They see us in every emotion. They see us in the good times and the bad. And so I think that keeps parents from doing it. So youth pastors, as you, as you think about how you can help a parent, I, man, I want to encourage you to think about it. Get, assume the best of them. Assume that this is something they want to do. They want to engage spiritually with their kids. If, if they're in your church and they're bringing their kids to church, chances are they want to do this. So how can you help them 
remove the inadequacies that they feel and remove the inadequacies that, in all honesty, some of them probably have because they haven't spent the time personally in God's word to, to kind of have some of these spiritual conversations. So what can you do to help them tackle and solve those inadequacies? Yeah. So let, let's talk about one of those things. Uh, John Paul, we were talking um, and how prayer is a huge component of this. Not even, and we're not even talking about praying with your kids. We're not talking about carving out time before bed to pray with them, but just praying for them and, and developing a habit of praying for your family. Yeah, there's a guy in our building. His name is Trevin Wax. Uh, and I asked Trevin for a year to eat lunch with me and show me his ways. Yeah. And so one of the things that I asked him is how he leads his his family and what he does for discipleship and uh, just filling that role as the spiritual head of his, his household. And the first thing that he said was that he prays very intentionally over his family. And so I asked him, how do you do that? How do you develop that? And he pulls out his uh, briefcase and... Or, What's the bag? <laughs> no, he didn't have a briefcase. That's like his pocket protector, saddle, <laughs> saddle bag. His uh, messenger. <laughs> what is the messenger bag? Yes. I believe. But yes. I would love uh, the image of Trevin carrying a briefcase. He could is amazing. He could pull off the briefcase. A leather bound, gold clasped <laughs> briefcase. He did have the nice leather satchel. Yes. So out of said satchel, he pulls his prayer list, which he said he updates every few months. And so he just has the names of each one of his family members that live in his home. And then he goes through every few months and and updates that list. What are the things that I want to see God doing in the lives of each of my family members? Mm -hmm. And he writes those things down. Uh, explores the scripture for scriptures specifically on those things. And then he just writes out a, a very quick, I mean, these are, you know, three or four lines, five lines at the most on each family member, but specifically targeting the things that he wants to see the Lord doing in their life and some scriptures that he can pray over those things in the lives of all of his family members. And I thought, man, that is such an, an intentional but really approachable way to go about that, that I, I think we can we can coach our parents. I think any student ministry leader um, could come up with some examples of that, even just doing it for your own family, and then showing that as an example. If you, you know, if you can, maybe you need to make an edited version that you show <laughs> to your um <clears throat> to your church family to not give away any private issues or anything. Right. But um, such an easy thing to to spend an hour or two going through, and then you have a template to pray for the people in your family every day. And what I think that does um, is that, you know, like we've talked about on the podcast, if there's ever it, uh, relationships that you struggle with, uh, if it's like deacons, or if there are parents in the ministry or other staff members in the ministry, one of the first things that we have coached podcast listeners to do is pray for them. Yeah. Because it 
it wells up inside of you a love for the person that you're praying for, regardless right. of the relational dynamic. And sometimes, if I'm being honest, like I need to pray for for my sons because sometimes I'm on, I, I need the Lord to help me like them, <laughs> you know, um, when some weeks are harder than others. Um, but I think as we strategically and intentionally pray over them, we're going to be compelled to be more and more engaged in how the Lord might bring those things that we're praying uh, to happen in their lives to fruition. Yeah. And so one of the things that I want to mention about this is that seems so simple, right? But those are the kinds of things that the parents in your church need. Those simple wins, things that they can do, like a mom or a dad can do that driving to work. Yeah. It's something that is simple and executable. And that, when we think about parent ministry, I, I think we as student pastors too many times think too far down the road too quickly. And we, we turn over this book of material to a parent and say, here, this is the way you need to disciple. And it's too much at the beginning when we need to help them secure early wins to move past inadequacies. Well, and even just showing to your parents that this is worthwhile, proving to them the value of digging into the discipleship of your family. I think as as they pray and and start to have their heart drawn to that and and feel and and get to see the fruit of those prayers, but not just like not that their lives are going to flip upside down, but the way we even perceive our family members then starts to probably be the first thing that flips upside down. Yeah. I think you win the hearts of your parents toward the discipleship of their family there. Well, and I love what you said too about sometimes you just need prayer to turn your heart towards your kids because sometimes they make you angry. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, man, I... I'm struggling to like you right now. <laughs> Have you ever flipped out on your kids in the middle of a family devotion? <laughs> Pretty much been every Advent this season. <laughs> yeah, every Advent devotional that we've done. That, yeah, Sit you, down! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and listen to this word of God that I have to tell you. <laughs> Jesus was born and you'll shut up! <laughs> it's No, you open the little door of the countdown and it's like anger, frustration <laughs> is behind every single one of the numbers. But man, it's that is so real. And if you're a parent, there have been moments where you've kind of felt this. And like the reality of it is when you're struggling or in a season of struggle with one of your kids to think about sitting with them and like the last thing you want to do is spend extra time with them. <laughs> yeah. But to sit with them and disciple them like that, it's just hard. And you might be listening to this and you might think, man, you guys are some uh, some unspiritual, like really bad discipling, but that's reality. And that is what your parents in your ministry are dealing with all the time. Like prayer might be, we've kind of joked around about this, yeah. but, but prayer 
might be the thing that begins to repair a relationship that's more than just we're going through a season right now where you're difficult. The relationships that your teenagers have with their parents might be really broken and strained. And praying like this is the first step in restoration of that relationship, which really needs to happen before any huge discipleship steps can be taken. Yeah. So let's go to another one. Uh, one of the things that we do uh, with all of our LifeWay ongoing Bible study curriculum is provide a conversation that student pastors can give to parents so that they can have a spiritual conversation in the home. We know from research that 27% of teenagers who, said, who are active in the church during high school said that they had conversations of a spiritual nature in their home. That's not a high number. So these are kids who are active in the church, and only 27% of them say, yes, we had spiritual conversations in the home. So part of discipleship is just having spiritual conversations, even more than sitting down and having a like specified time, like what, Andy, what you mentioned with Advent, we do that. Uh, we, we read through something that Kristen wrote for our family several years ago, and we do that during the Christmas season. Uh, and that's a specified time each night that we read a Bible story and like we participate. The ongoing spiritual conversation or just a moment where you say, hey, how was small group this week? And then insert question that will help them remember. So like that's something we provide from LifeWay students in, in our curriculum. Um, but that if you don't use our curriculum, then there are other things that you can do to equip parents to begin to have a simple, easy spiritual conversation. And so I think the the coaching here for for parents is about keeping it keeping it simple. Because if we keep down the line that there's going to be intimidation and there are going to be some, some roadblocks because of a knowledge gap, then the, the prayer list, I think, is something that's super approachable. I think you get past the knowledge gap really quick. Yeah. What, I don't know what to pray about. Well, here's how you think about it. Write it down and just pray that thing for the next three months until you update your list. The next step is knowing what to talk about spiritually. And I think an easy win is coaching parents, and, and maybe this comes with giving them a reading plan or if the church has a reading plan, but coaching parents how to just simply talk about like, hey, this morning I read First John 1, 1, and I thought um, this was really meaningful, what, whatever it was that your takeaway was. I thought this was really cool. What do you think about that? Like, it doesn't have to be. I think parents a lot of times think, well, if I'm going to have this conversation, I need to go in being able to really teach them about the Bible. It's enough to just say, this is something I'm learning. Or, man, I've been praying for a coworker at work, and today we had this really cool conversation. You know, just talking about the things of God, what yeah. he's doing in your life is an easy first, first step. Yeah, I totally agree. <clears throat> and I think that that's, I think that that's the, because uh, I mentioned earlier, there's, there tends to be kind of two ways of going about discipleship. One in a more formal setting, right? So that's, that's the way we typically think about discipleship. I'm going to give you 
uh, Erickson's systematic theology. We're going to work through it. We're going to kind of go through the core major doctrines of the faith. And you are going to be discipled by the time this ends, right? That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of, we, we think of it in a very formal structure, formal classroom type setting. Uh, and that's true. I mean, there is a place and time for that, obviously. But but discipleship is also very informal, man. It's just more relationship-based. It's more conversation-driven. Uh, and, and it's going to happen in sort of those types of conversations that you're saying. They don't have to be so structured uh, to the point to where, you know, you're trying to manipulate it and kind of, uh, you know, navigate it in a certain direction. But l- if they begin early and if you have a good foundation of, of, of praying for these types of things to happen in your life, then those things can become natural with your kid, right? And uh, and you can start to have this conversation. So, but, but here's the thing. I know that we kind of been focusing on simple. And yeah, these are simple and that can lead to significant results, right? Right. Um, and praying is something simple. It can lead to something big, significant. Uh, simple conversations like this can lead to something big as well. But I, I think at the same time, <clears throat> we can't shy away from, even though it's going to be a simple conversation or even though it's kind of um, uh, we can ha- navigate these sort of simple conversations with our kids, still need to emphasize that, look, you'll never be able to take your kids in places that you've never been discipleship-wise, right? right? And so even though it's going to start out as a simple conversation, you got to lead it somewhere, and this is why I, I, you know, when you were talking about conversations, my mind is because I'm, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm bent this way, uh, apologetically. So my mind is like, okay, so let's just have basic informal conversations over watching a movie, you know, with my kid, we watched Avengers and we're going to talk about kind of the worldview of Avengers. I'm not going to use that language of worldview, of Avengers, but, but we're, I'm going to be able to sort of insert and ask questions about, you know, this and, 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 and this, you know, the picture of right and wrong, the good versus evil, you know, sort of like, how do we, how do we navigate that? How do we know that who's right and who's wrong, et cetera. And so, but I mean, there's just different ways of doing this, but you want to just to, through these simple conversations, you want to teach your kid to think Christianly about these things, mm-hmm. right? To think Christianly about just the things that they're exposed to on a daily basis. Music, you know, just things in pop culture at large. But uh, And so that that's at least kind of where, you know, my, my mind goes. Man, we're in the middle of starting to foster that conversation at my house. I've been reading the boys, the Chronicles of Narnia at night. So we were doing our Bible story and stuff right before bed, and we moved Bible story devotion, which is replaced right now with Advent, to dinner time. So we do that at dinner. And then before bed, we read a chapter of Narnia. So we're on book two, and last night was chapter 14, I think, is the triumph of the witch, um, where they're tying Aslan down to the stone table, and they're, and they're about to kill him on the stone, on the stone table. And we're, we were up to the place where they're dragged, they have him tied up and they're dragging him up to the stone table. And I asked the boys, what other story can you think of that's kind of like this? And it took them a little while. They were like, I don't know, some tying up a lion and there's, you know, I don't know. When, when else have we read a story about a lion, daddy? You know, they're five and six. But the light went off for Levi. I don't remember what comment, some comment that Titus made when he was trying to figure it out. And the light went off for Levi and he was like, 
they're about to kill Aslan the way that they killed Jesus. Hmm. And it was such a cool. Did you like cheer? I was trying not to cry. I mean, yeah. it was just like a, I thought they weren't going to get it. Yeah. And then That's when awesome. the light went off and he realized it, and then he understood why Aslan, the whole conversation, that's why Aslan hasn't been fighting back. Because it says in the book, with one swipe of his paw, he could have killed everyone there. Mm-hmm. And so, and then he goes, that's why he's not fighting back, because Jesus didn't fight back. And it was one of those like, <laughs> That's so great. But yeah, I completely wholeheartedly agree with you, teaching them to, to think through through that filter yeah we got to get you got yeah we have to get them somewhere right start simple and use that as a foundation and don't move away from those things but continually build on top of them i do want to come back uh to talk about how to help parents think through a framework of of building questions but since andy you mentioned moving them somewhere i wanted to just mention this as another thing to do practically to help you partner with parents and engage them spiritually. And that's partner with the other staff members at your church to help move the parents further in their own discipleship, not just to keep it with themselves, but for the purpose of discipling someone else. So in a lot of churches, the small group, the adult small group ministry is just the adults sitting in a small group with each other, learning things. There's definitely discipleship elements there. But what I'm suggesting is that you get with the senior pastor or education, minister of education or adult pastor, whoever that is at your place, and say, what if we began to be more intentional about talking about discipling the next generation? Number one, you're going to get some new youth workers out of this. But just in terms of parents, like what if the age ranges of parent small groups, yes, still provided small groups for community with adults and relationships that are absolutely essential for adults. But what if it was strategically pointed to helping them also disciple their kids? The stuff that they learn and talk about and join in community together as adults specifically pointed to that. Uh, So as you, that is a way that you can at your church take a more strategic view to helping adults grow in their maturity because we know, right, like as someone grows in maturity, some things naturally happen in their own spiritual life. As a person engages with God's word and grows in spiritual maturity, they're more likely to help someone do that very thing. That's the way God has designed this to be. And so, man, I love that you took the conversation there because that is a practical piece that you as a student pastor can take to your leadership and say, hey, what if we did this? And uh, man, and if you do it, call us and let us know. Give us updates because I I would love to hear how that's going. So before we move to the next thing, I think one one thing that I would encourage you as a uh, student ministry leader would be to offer some time where you can help your parents think through how how to come up with these kind of questions. Um, 
something that I've done with a room full of student pastors before is talk about these conversation starters. You know, it's like Ben said, if you use any of our stuff, Andy, that's right here with us, writes the Gospel Project. And so he's writing these questions and sending them out. Um, but if you don't use our stuff, or ev- even if you do, walking through those questions and giving parents a forum to practice. So like in a parent meeting, breaking them up into groups and saying, okay, these three parents get to act like your teenagers, you know, which they'll have a lot of fun with. You ask a question and let's just practice. What does this feel like? How do you ask the question? How do you approach this topic? And so one helpful exercise that I've done is take them through, and and I did this with student pastors to see if they tripped over the same places that sometimes parents will. Uh, I gave them Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and said, okay, let's say this is the passage of Scripture that you just read, uh, or that your your kids are studying, whatever, and you want to lead parents in having this conversation. What questions do you ask around this passage? Um, And so immediately, I have people that that step into this and they say, well, okay, well, it starts off with, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what does the cloud of witnesses mean? Wrong question. Why? Because if we're going to ask them, right, and, and remember, we're trying to make these questions easy, accessible for a parent to not feel like they have to go study for two hours before they have a dinner table conversation around this. Uh, So if you're going to ask them, what's the deal with the cloud of witnesses? Then you have to know everything about chapter 11 that describes the cloud of witnesses and everything about chapters 1 through 10 (laughs) that leads up to why the cloud of witnesses is there in the first place. Yeah, and now we're into more commentaries and more books and more time, which, again, we can move there. Yeah. But at the beginning— yeah, you'd be asking them to know everything about church history, which is what that moves through. <laughs> All of the pillars of the faith considered in one chapter and why they're significant. So instead, you can coach them how to ask questions around what does it mean to lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us? What does that look like to lay that aside? What does it mean to run with endurance? What does it mean that there's a race in front of us? Um, How do you think we keep our eyes on Jesus? Those are questions that are approachable, um, that a parent can speak to rather easily, um, and that a student can answer without a whole lot of You know, they couldn't answer the cloud of witnesses question without doing all that study on their own either. Right. So on both sides of the equation, there's easy engagement and interaction with the word. And I think as a starting place, not to say that that's enough, you know, discipleship can't be one inch deep for your whole life. But as a starting place, I think that's a that's a helpful exercise to take your parents through. Yeah, that's awesome. Because the text right there, I mean, it's pretty self-interpreting, right? So, I mean, it's self-explanatory. It's there. Hey, look, I should fix my eyes on Jesus. My gaze should be on him. So let's just ask some application questions of how do we do that? How yeah. do we do that better in our life? You know, what are some distractions that we need to get rid of that, that, that tend to, to take our gaze off of him? And so... That's, I mean, that, that's great. I, I, I agree. I think another thing that I, I would mention that parents need coaching and training on, and by the way, I probably should have said this at the beginning of the podcast, but didn't. So I'll say it now, is that 
you can take the elements of this podcast, so prayer, discussion questions. John Paul just walked through a great training exercise framework that you can use for discussion questions, partnering with other staff. Uh, I'm about to mention another one. And you can build a parent workshop around these things and you have a parent meeting where you can walk through this and your parents can walk away from that workshop or meeting with some really tangible things that they can begin to put in place. With that being said, uh, the thing that I was going to mention is training and coaching them on appropriate vulnerability. And as a parent in walking through like we just used the example of fixing your eyes on Jesus. And a great question there is what distracts us from that? Well, you as a parent being able to look across the table or across the room or the car with your teenager and say, hey, here are some of the things that distract me from keeping my eyes on Jesus. And yeah, like as a 41-year-old parent or whatever the case may be, There are times when I struggle with keeping my eyes on Jesus. And here's what that looks like for me. That kind of conversation goes a long way to help break down the inadequacies, to help build a bridge between them and their teenager. Just like we would tell our small group leaders, the students in your small group want to know that you're trying to follow Jesus too, that it's this, you're not perfect, that you're in this with them. Our kids are the same way. They want to know how we deal with the struggles that we have. And by talking about that and being vulnerable about those things, we're actually equipping them to be able to get through those struggles as well. Yeah. So coaching them on appropriate vulnerability and how to talk to their kids about their own struggles and the good that comes from that in a discipleship conversation. I, I like the fact that you said it's simple, but you know, it, it's something significant. The only thing that I thought about when we were talking about prayer, I was thinking about St. Augustine and, and the fact that, you know, he was, I mean, he is like the biggest church father that we have. I mean, all theologians throughout church history, you know, have quoted St. Augustine more than they've quoted anybody else. I mean, he's just, he's, he's huge. All right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but St. Augustine, he was, um, I mean, he was a pagan, you know, beforehand he was running away from God. He had, you know, he was sexually promiscuous. I mean, he, he, the list goes on and on. He was just very much an unbeliever, but his mother was very much a believer. And, um, and she prayed for him, you know, fervently every day. And so there's, you kind of go through, uh, uh, the, the biographical details about his life and, and, and just the fervency of his mom praying for him and going to the Bishop at the time, Bishop Ambrose. And so, you know, I, I don't want to rehearse the whole history here, but the amazing thing is like, I mean, he attributes a lot of God working in his life, God saving him, rescuing him, opening up his eyes to, uh, the faithfulness of his mom's prayers. Mm. And if you look, I mean, there's other, dude, there's other like uh, people, man, throughout church history whose ministries would not have happened had it not been for their wives praying for them mm-hmm. or for their moms praying for them. And so like, man, just prayer has a, is hugely beneficial. And so even though we, we, we started there, I think you get, we got to close there as well. So man, that's got to be the bookends. So, yeah. We have great conversations in the middle. We we try to take them from point A to point B in discipleship. But man, 
just bathing it in prayer once again and committing our kids to to God's hands. I mean, that's that's where we have to end the day as well. I think that's good. Yeah, that's strong, man. This has been another episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We will see you next time.